What are we discussing on today's podcast, you ask? Well, we gotta discuss that ferocious comeback by the D-backs to split the series against the San Diego Padres. Do a little preview for the next matchup against the LA Dodgers that starts on Thursday. And then I also want to just talk about how nice it is to be a 500 ball club through the first six games of the season. All on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. I'm your host, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. I'm there you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on Dimebacks about Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle, and of course, Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. And one of those platforms is YouTube, so please hit subscribe on the Locked on Dimebacks YouTube channel. We hit the 400 subscriber mark. Next up is 500, so please hit subscribe on the Locked on Diamondbacks YouTube channel. But we need to discuss today's game. I guess I'm always recording this the day of the game, so I guess yesterday's game technically. But we have to talk about the final game against the San Diego Padres because my Goodness, what a ferocious rally by the D-backs because it just looked like another game where Zach Gallon was going to struggle, the offense wasn't going to show up, and we were going to get dominated once again by the San Diego Padres, a team that really dominated us last time. They were the D-backs were 5 and 14 against the Padres in 2022. Not a very good record, but so far in 2023, 1 and 1 against the Padres, 2 and 2 against the LA Dodgers, feeling pretty good. But before we even get into the nitty-gritty of the game, because you guys know I like to start with what I like most from the game, let's first talk about Manny Machado getting ejected. Was it right? Was it wrong? Because I was watching this game in my little Coyote's office, and this guy that sits right behind me, he was a Padres fan, and he was going off throwing F-bombs. Oh my God, can you effing believe this? I can't believe this. Baseball is getting ridiculous. I'm never going to watch a game. Uh, people pay money to go see Machado. He's not even there. And to a point, he to a degree, he did have a point. Because, listen, let me first start here. Manny Machado was wrong. He was the first player in spring training to get a pitch clock violation. The regular season has rolled around. Now he's the first player to be ejected for a pitch clock violation. I think it makes sense. I think the math is adding up there because Manny Machado seems to not have learned any of the new rules because guess what? 
batters have to be ready when they're in the box with at least eight seconds remaining on the pitch clock. And with eight seconds remaining, Machado put his hand out to call time. The umpire said, no, this is the time you're supposed to be ready. I'm not going to honor your timeout call. And guess what? Umpires don't have to. It's not like an official timeout like NBA or NFL. We got the little ticker on the bottom tells you how many timeouts I have. It's up to the discretion of the umpire. The umpire felt like it was too late in the pitch clock for Manny Machado to call time. And I agree with him. I thought it was too late in the pitch clock. And guess what, Manny? If you're standing in the batter's box, don't fix your glove for 30 minutes. Stand in there, have the bat on your shoulder, and be ready for the next pitch. But this is where I'll agree a little bit with my coworker because I don't think he should have been ejected. And of course, he was arguing with the umpire a little bit. Umpire, I think some people are saying on Twitter, if you do the bad lip reading, I don't know if it's true or not, but maybe Manny Machado called him a D-bag, right? If that's true, if that's what he said, not a B-word, not a P-word, just the D-bag word, yeah, that's not an ejectable offense, but I do think the overall point stands that Manny Machado should have got a strike called and should have been, uh, should have running up on strikes in that moment, but should he have been thrown out? No, because I do think my coworker is right. Fans go there to see the stars, and it's never a fun game when one of the best players on the team, one of the best players in the sport, gets thrown out in the first inning. So I do agree with that. The call was right, but the ejection was maybe a little bit too harsh. But back to the game. Let's discuss what I like from this game. Let's get back to some positives. The first thing that I like from this game, team speed. We keep talking about it. And once again, team speed showed up because these are all the players that had a stolen base in this game. Ketel Marte, Josh Rojas, Jake McCarthy, Alec Thomas, and Geraldo Perdomo. Speed was once again huge in this. You have that eighth inning infield bunt by Geraldo Perdomo. This team is getting ballsy because I don't even think, I think looking at the reports and reading the quotes after the game, after that Jake McCarthy bunt, it sounded like that was Jake McCarthy going rogue and that was his decision to do that. So I wonder if this Perdomo bunt was a Tory Lovello call or a Perdomo call. I think these players, because they're so fast, have that built-in um, trust trust and credibility with Tory Lovello where they feel like if it's maybe not your typical bunt situation, but they're allowed to lay it down if they feel strongly, you know, with how the defense is set up or whatever. So I do like Perdomo doing it, and it was successful once again, just straight up the first baseline. Perdomo quick, the the pitcher or whoever was trying to field the ball, just couldn't get a good grip. The first baseman, I don't remember who it was, and the D-back score on that play, great job. We also got a double steal where Ketel Marte took off for a second, catcher throws it down, and then Josh Rojas is coming home. We got a steal of home in this game. You don't see that very often. And then also... This was speed on a defensive play because Jake McCarthy had to cover a lot of ground on that fly ball in the right field. It had covered so much ground that he couldn't stop himself from flying over the wall once he made the catch. A Derek jeter S play. Great job by Jake McCarthy. So team speed, number one. Number two thing that I like from this game, my middle of the line didn't do anything, but my number one, my leadoff hitter, then my eight and nine hitter, carried this team. Josh Rojas, three for three, two RBIs, had a double, had the stolen base, a run scored, a walk. And then at the bottom of the lineup, Perdomo was putting in work. Like right now, shortstop is the best position on the D-backs because Perdomo or Nick Ahmed are just putting in work at the plate. He had three RBIs. He had three runs scored. He was one for one. This was the best game I think I've ever seen Perdomo play. Every time he was at the plate, he was moving runners over every time he was on the bases it seemed like he took an extra base and then jose herrera who had a couple of defensive lapses like earlier in the game 
was coming up clutch later in this game when the offense was exploding. Herrera was one of the 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 man was one of the men on the forefront leading the charge for this offense, leading the charge in the comeback. So the number one, the number eight, and number nine hitter carried this game. Jake McCarthy also had two hits, but I love saying this. I love saying the phrase the eight through one hitter was the best part of this game, the best part of this lineup. Then the last thing that I like from this game, once again, once again, just to hit on it. The pitch clock, because guess what? I don't go to ball games to watch dudes stand in the batter's box and fix their gloves. I go there to see batters, professional baseball players, swing the bat. That's what they're paid to do. And if a guy is just standing in the batter's box, lollygagging, diddy boxing, fixing his glove, taking 30 minutes to do that, guess what? You deserve a strike on uh, uh, on your account, right? We saw it yesterday with the pitchers, right? I think Ryan Nelson... Um, or a couple days, I guess now. I think Ryan Nelson got a ball called in the first inning because of a pitch clock violation. So we see it from both sides. And guess what? You can't argue it. There's no challenging the pitch clock violation. So it's like, just move on. Don't waste your breath. And Manny Machado, I don't think he should have been ejected. By love, they got a strike called on the pitch clock. And guess what? It did help the D-backs. They got ejected in this ball game. I think because... You know who came in for Manny Machado? Nelson Cruz. You know what Nelson Cruz did in today's game? Or I guess when you listen to this podcast, yesterday's game that Manny Machado is yet to do this season, hit a home run. I'm pretty sure Manny Machado hasn't hit a home run. Maybe I should double check that just to make sure. But D-backs take care of business. And now they're 500 on the season. And yeah, Manny Machado has no home runs. Gotta love that the D-backs have split against the Padres and Dodgers to start the season, and I'm hoping they can keep it going against the Dodgers once again with another four-game series. And if you want to bet on the D-backs taking down the Dodgers in their next series, you need to place your money down on FanDuel Sportsbook because... The NBA playoffs are almost here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe. It's secure. It's super easy to use. Think a bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drain. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. That is my favorite thing to do. Right now, whenever the Lakers are playing, give me Anthony Davis 25 points, AD 10 rebounds, LeBron 7 assists, Lakers to win, and that might not hit. Every game, but the Lakers have been hot recently, so that might put a little money in your pocket. So don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports band partner of the NBA. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Lock on Diamondbacks podcast. And let's talk about what I didn't like from today's game. Because listen, before the sixth inning, I did not enjoy watching this game. Because like I said, I was watching it in the office. And even though the guy behind me was going crazy after that Manny Machado ejection in the first inning, by the second inning, by the third inning, by the fourth inning, by the fifth inning, uh, he cooled off a little bit because the Padres offense was attacking Zach Gallen, who is my first dislike of this segment because Zach Gallen, who once again, 
I'll admit it. I picked him to win the Cy Young Award entering the season. And so far, he does not look like a Cy Young Award winner because Zach Allen is looking a little flustered on the mound right there. And maybe this is one of the negatives of the pitch clock. Maybe Zach Allen is too rushed. Maybe he's more of a meticulous guy who needs a little bit more time in between pitches to really go through all the analytics in his head because he wears those big frame glasses. He looks like a highly intelligent fella. And maybe he needs a little bit more time. He's running the numbers, running the codes, got a calculator brain, and he needs a little bit more time to figure out what pitches he wants to throw because Zach Allen in this game, six innings, four earned runs, only one walk, which you like to see, but two home runs allowed. And for Gallen, it's like the same issues that we saw with Ryan Nelson because Gallen's velo is something that we have to monitor, something we have to be concerned with because in his last start, I think Zach Allen was averaging around 94 miles per hour on his fastball. Today, it was maxing out around 94.5 miles per hour. Its fastball velocity was down a whole tick. It was at 93 miles per hour today. So it really makes you wonder what's going on there with his fastball velo. His spin rate was a little bit down too from the last game. And seeing those numbers go backwards this early in the season, it's just not good. It makes you wonder whether he's still ramping up, whether he's still building up arm strength because this is the first time Zach Gallen has started this season healthy with the D-back. So I don't, I'm not entirely too sure what the issue is with Zach Allen, but if Gallon going to go out there every start and give up four to five runs, which I don't think he'll do, I think he'll get back on track. But the days he does give up four to five runs, it's going to be very hard to win those games. But that's why I love today's game. Again, yesterday's game so much because this felt like an automatic loss. It's just so demoralizing when your best pitcher you have so many eggs in that basket when he goes out there and just getting crushed, giving up home runs, giving up extra base hits. When you're down, you know, a few runs early, it's demoralizing for your team when your best pitcher is doing that. But the D-backs were able to be resilient, pick themselves up, and able to have a ferocious comeback against the San Diego Padres. I did like that from today's game. The second thing that I didn't like, I just don't like the way Ketel Marte is looking right now at the plate. He had one hit today. He's batting 167 on the season. I think that number's updated on this ESPN box score. And he's just not looking like himself right now. Like, whenever there's a runner on second, like, I'm just not confident Ketel Marte is going to get a single to right field to bring that guy home or get a double. Like, I'm just not very confident in Ketel Marte's offensive ability right now, who just seems to be a little bit overmatched by these pitchers. And he's just swinging at stuff that's like out the zone. And it feels like he's chasing. Feels like Marte's pressing a little bit. And it's because, well, I don't know why it's because, but I feel like personally, because it's been so long since he's been like, consistently effective that maybe he's trying to get back to that level maybe he's trying to overwork himself and doing too much and every time a pitch is close to the plate he's like man I gotta swing at that because Marte in the past it was like it didn't matter where the pitch was around the strike zone he would just crush the ball at every single zone on the strike zone but nowadays it just doesn't feel that way it feels like his range around the strike zone has been a little bit limited and it feels like his batter's eye just not as good as it used to be and I think a lot of it just mental I think a lot of the times when you see batters go through slumps it's mental it's just an adjustment maybe they're just keep swinging at the high heat and if they want to bring their average up or bring their OBP up, they just need to stop doing that. Maybe they got to stop chasing low and away. So whatever it is for Keta Marte, I think it's probably more mental and mechanical than anything. So hopefully he can fix it, just like a Zach Allen. Hopefully those two guys can get back on track because if the D-backs do want to get to their next level and hit their ceiling, it's kind of hard to do that when arguably your best position player and your best pitcher just are not on the levels that we've seen from them in the past.
Then the last thing I want to discuss that I didn't like from today's game is once again, the ninth inning nerves. It feels like it doesn't matter who's on the mound. You just can never have a clean ninth inning for the D-backs bullpen because I felt like, I feel like Dre Jameson could have pitched innings one through eight and had like a no hitter, but he would have came in that ninth inning and still given up that home run because it feels like just the D-backs have the worst luck in the ninth inning, and this was another game. Thankfully, the D-backs were up three runs in the ninth inning. Dre Jameson gets a save. I wouldn't mind Dre Jameson as a closer, but again, um, if it was a one-run ball game, we're probably going to extra innings, and I just don't like the nerves of that. I'm hoping one of these days we could just have a clean ninth inning where your closer comes in, gets the one, two, three save, and the ball game is over. I'm tired of the sweats, and I don't know if Scott McGuff has lost his closer role or if this was just a one-game sample size because you were up three runs, and it was like, okay, we could put Dre Jameson for the last two runs because... Or excuse me, for the last two innings, because I, I do think it's a little bit of a committee approach right now. If Jay Jameson's riding the hot hand and he's coming in late in the ballgame, I don't think Tori Lovello's afraid to let him close it out. If Andrew Chafin comes in late or Scott McGuff comes in late, even a Kevin Ginkle, like I don't think Tori Lovello's afraid to let any of those guys close in the ninth inning and give them that safe opportunity. I wonder if Jerry Jameson is the first guy out the bullpen next time in the ninth inning when it's a one or two run ballgame and the D-backs need to pull it in put it away. That's a very interesting narrative and storyline to follow right now. But Dre Jameson in general, do like him, but don't like the nerves he gave me in the ninth inning. Because when I saw that home run go across the fence, I was like, okay, I still feel pretty confident D-backs are going to win this game. And then he gave up a base hit right after that. And then it was like, okay, um, I'm a little scared here. Are we going to see a two-run bomb given up to Nelson Cruz, who already hit a home run earlier in the game? He's a home run machine that's what he's done throughout his career is this game going to get blown in the ninth inning again and the Padres rip out our hearts and the bullpen rip out our hearts and we go to extra innings and lose I was not yearning for that result and thankfully the D-backs were able to get it done and now they're 500 on the season and they have another matchup against the LA Dodgers coming up and so I'm wondering I'm wondering who's going to close those games against the LA Dodgers and Whenever you have to pick your closer in the offseason, you have to be a good GM. You have to be meticulous. You have to make sure your new relievers fit, you know, with your team payroll. You got to make sure they have the, you know, are good in high leverage moments. And being a GM just isn't easy. It's not easy to be Mike Hazen. And listen, if you've ever wanted to be a GM, being a major league baseball GM is not easy. But you know what is easy? Downloading the Pro Baseball GM app and becoming a GM on there because if you've ever yearned to be a if you've ever yearned to be an MLB GM, you want to download the Pro Baseball GM app because it's the coolest game I've played in a long time. I've always thought I could be a great major league GM. And as it turns out, like I said, it's not easy at all. It's not easy to do what Mike Hazen does. Like he's in the front office doing research, looking at analytics the whole offseason to pick these relievers. And then he still has trouble finding the perfect pieces for the bullpen. And guess what? If you want to try be Mike Hazen, then download the Pro Baseball GM app because if you've had the same thought of Mike Hazen and have fantasized about managing your own franchise, this is the app for you. The game allows you to manage 
every strategic aspect of a franchise, playing through seasons, and leading your franchise and fans to glory as you build a historic dynasty. In the simulation, you're responsible for hiring the right coaches and staff, managing team finances, scouting and drafting players, managing through difficult personalities and injuries, navigating your franchise through free agency, and all the ups and downs of a season. All this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Baseball GM is completely free and playable offline, play on the go, as you want and when you want to. I've adopted the Phoenix Pirates and my team is kicking ass against all the other locked on hosts. They can't mess with me right now. And if you want the same feeling I'm feeling against your friends, go download the Pro Baseball GM app. Locked on Dimebacks listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code LOCKEDON in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit probaseballgm.com, scan the code or look it up on the app stores. That's probaseballgm.com. Ultimate Baseball GM, start your dynasty today. Now, you guys can be honest. I don't know how good of a segue or transition that was to Pro Baseball GM. I was flying the plane. It was a little foggy outside. We experienced a rough turbulence. And I think one of my landing wheels might have went out as well. I think we might have had some engine failure. But I think I landed the plane. I think everyone's safe. A couple people might need to go to the hospital and check in on some injuries. But for the most part, I landed the plane. And I'm going to get a medal of honor. But let's get back into the Lock on Diamondbacks podcast. Let's discuss our next game and series against the LA Dodgers and just talk about this season on the whole so far because fun fact, after this Padres series, the D-backs play the Padres one more time this month in August. I don't know exactly when. It's It's like their third to last series of the month or something. But after this month, they play the Padres Five more times, five more games in total, two series, five more games in total, and all five of those games come in August. So after this month of April, we don't see the Dodgers again until August. And the same for the Padres. We play the Padres after this month in one more series, and that also comes in August. So your two biggest rivals in the NL West that have just crapped on you the last few seasons and just pummeled you into the ground the last few seasons, you're already 500 against them through the first series against both of those teams. And you only have to play them like a total of nine more times after this month total. Like that's absolutely insane. And the D-backs already have a good start in the division against those two foes. And for the next game, D-backs get a rematch against the LA Dodgers. And on Thursday specifically, we get a rematch, Merrill Kelly versus Dustin May. Because in that last game, Merrill Kelly was like fine. He was allowing some runners on the bases, some traffic, but he wasn't allowing any earned runs. But still was only able to go three and two thirds before Dre Jameson came out and just looked phenomenal. So I wonder if Dre Jameson is going to come in the next game and be a reliever or closer despite just pitching two plus innings in this game. So we'll see what happens there. But we get the Kelly versus Dustin May rematch, and D-backs are, if they could get another series split, I think that would be perfect. I think a series split would be the dream scenario. If you play the Padres eight times in your first 10 games and you go four and four in those games, I think that's absolutely perfect because if you just think about the D-backs last season, how they started the year, the D-backs in their first 11 games started the season three and eight, 
if you remember, it was a struggle those first 11 games of the year. And their first win of the season came in the first game of the series. Uh, <laughs> their first win of the season came in their first game of the season. I don't know why I just slurred my words there incredibly bad just now. But remember, it was Seth. It, it was beer night and Seth beer had the walk off on beer night. So remember, first game of the season against the Padres, Seth Beer and Beer Night walks it off. It was magical, divine intervention. It was something out of a storybook. And then the D-back just won two of their next 10 games after that and didn't get their first series win until their sixth series of the year, which actually came against the LA Dodgers. So the D-backs have a chance to get their first series win this year against the LA Dodgers. If not, gotta at least settle for the series split because listen. If you leave the series and you're, what, four, what would that math be? Four and six? That doesn't look like that great of a record. But if you're five and five through your first 10 and your first three opponents were D- were Dodgers, Padres, Dodgers, that makes you feel pretty good as a D-backs fan. And two more wins against the Dodgers in this series, you're already one win behind your total from last season. The D-backs won five games total in 19 tries against the Dodgers last season. If they're able to get four wins and eight tries against the Dodgers this season, I think that would look really good, and it's possible. But for the D-back to do that, they're going to need their offense to step up once again like they did today because this was the first time all season the D-backs have scored more than four runs in a game, and partly it was because you were able to draw some walks. Not only draw walks, you had more walks drawn than strikeouts. First time that's happened in a game all season because I think the most walks the D-backs have had in a game before this most recent game against the Padres was like three. I think they had, let me look it up. I got the number right here on my notes. The D-backs had seven walks and five strikeouts against the Dodgers, excuse me, against the Padres in this most recent game. And guess what? When you get runners on the bases with this team speed, once again, that's how you're able to get the Marte steal, the Rojas steal, the McCarthy steal, the Thomas steal, and the Perdomo steal. So D-backs have to continue to use team speed. Don't be afraid to use small ball. Maybe the D-backs, maybe their path to the wild card is basically being, was it 2016 Kansas City Royals? I don't remember what year it was, but whatever year was where the Royals just felt like they laid down bunts, stole bases, and just played small ball all the way to the World Series. Maybe the D-backs can be that version of the Royals and then, of course, have continued success after the World Series because we have a young core that's going to stay around for the future. But so far, D-backs, 500 through the first three series of the year or two series of the year, I'll take that. Hopefully, the offense can continue. Hopefully, Merrill Kelly has a bounce back in his rematch or not. maybe just goes deeper into the ballgame. Maybe we could get a five-inning start out of Merrill Kelly and save the bullpen a little bit. But so far, more players in this lineup need to go off. But overall, the bullpen, I do think, has been solid outside the ninth inning. Some of the players in the lineup have been surprising. I think some of the core guys, like the Christian Walkers, Ketel Martes, um, could pick it up a little bit more. But guys like Perdomo, Nick Ahmed have been pretty steady contributors so far throughout the season. So I like what I'm seeing from the D-backs. I'm happy that we're 500, and maybe we could get and maybe we could get our first series win of the season against the LA Dodgers in our next rematch. Now that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage insight. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen of the day. Make your second listen of the day, the Locked On Fantasy Baseball podcast with hosts Matt and Dom, who will keep you up to date all season with fantasy baseball news, strategies, and analysis. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, 